Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. I'm Carl Mack, and this is Combat Chronicles. Now, it's been a while since I've dropped an episode on this feed. There's been plenty over on the Patreon www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles including all my thoughts on Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou and other such scraps as well so if you want to get all the content be sure to check out the Patreon if you want to get all my thoughts on UFC 295 that's over on the Patreon as well so if you're wondering what I was thinking about Tom Aspinall's big win to take the interim heavyweight title that's over there and just a little thought as well just something to think about I actually talk about a fight in some depth I think you might not have watched and might have just been the best fight of 2023 so if you want to know what that is head on over to patreon.com slash combat chronicles but I couldn't not let you guys hear me talk all about Jiri Pahaska versus Alex Pajera two fighters that I've spoken about on the pod before Pajera one of my faves um, years ago uh, before he even fought for Legacy I think I sort of did a deep dive on his uh, MMA game for an article for a site that I used to work for and kind of posited that it'd be best for him if he stayed in kickboxing what a fucking idiot anyway here's all my thoughts on Alex Pereira versus Jury Pass. oh that's down by Yuri it's a big right hand Alex Pajera versus Jiri uh, Prohaska. It's very much a, you guys know, I use this term quite a lot on the on the podcast, but it's like a street fighter clash, yeah? Both characters, both caricatures in a way almost, you know. Jiri Prohaska with the, with the top knot, the Bushido uh, influence into his personality, the zany, awkward fighting style, and the fact that he's obviously a walking highlight reel. Uh, and Alex Pereira, you know, when they do the stare down, coming out with the traditional face paint and headdress, just an absolutely cataclysmic, earth-shattering puncher, striker really, as I said before, knees, kicks, just the bloke's made of iron it seems. Um, so you knew you were going to get just a war, I think it was painfully obvious from the first time it was matched. It's really interesting in terms of like heavyweight lineage in terms of Pereira's own career, as I say, the idiot who looked through his early fights and said, eh, he's unlikely to make it in MMA and should probably stay in kickboxing. Well, maybe I'm somewhat vindicated by the fact that Pereira has done it in two of 
MMA's uh, poorer weight classes. But needless to say, he's massively impressive. And as a fan of his from the kickboxing days, I'm glad that hasn't been a complete waste of time. And I'm actually really glad that more people now know how dangerous this fella is. I've actually seen, I've actually heard the quote, sort of seen a little uh, summary of it. Um, I should probably look into it, really. But I think Dana White said, look, he might not be an all-time great, but he's really good. And uh, essentially, yeah, I mean, Alex Pereira, he's a two-weight world champ. Uh, I think level opposition-wise, is actually really good. I mean, Adesanya, I think, is you know, one of the best two or three, I don't know, one of the best two, arguably the greatest, 185-pounder of all time. And Pereira knocked him uh, out, you know, won the title that way. That's a really impressive win. Obviously less impressive subsequent the fact that, not just that he got laid out by him, but then that Adesanya looked so poor against Sean Strickland. He really did look devoid of ideas. That does do something to his overall standing, of course, legacy, how we perceive him as a technician, how we uh, perceive him as a uh, cage general. And then you start to think, oh, okay, now Pereira bossing him beyond the jab, Pereira getting to him late, that's less impressive when you know that Adesanya run out of ideas you know, pretty early against Strickland and... He was able to you know, strike with him at range. All these things. Tangent, notwithstanding. Um, Yuri Pahasko's had time out, but big, awkward, dangerous, and uh, just really tenacious fellow. And again, just a really fun action fight. I don't think anyone's going to think that Yuri uh, Pahasko is one of the elite, but certainly at 205, he's one of those dangerous fellows, arguably the best bloke in the world. Um, talk about that in a bit when we get to the lineages. We'll stick uh, on topic with this fight for now. But yeah, Pereira has is, is proven himself, and, and the point I'm trying to make with how it pertains to Dana White's comments, the fact that is now people will forever see Alex Pereira, regardless of what you think of his accomplishments, uh, how meaningful, obviously the accomplishments are really meaningful, he's a two-weight UFC champion, it's hallowed ground, it's very, it's, um, it's rare air, but in terms of how he's perceived as a boogeyman, as a power striker, as a finisher, etc., etc., in 20 years' time, when you do lists of hardest strikers or hardest punches in MMA history, it's very likely that Alex Pereira will be number one on everyone's list. I likened him before to Bob Foster. He has that Bob Foster about him. In terms of overall striking, it's probably him, Wilder, and Ganu, pound for pound. Or just not in pound for pound, just general force. If we're talking pound for pound, they're obviously we're going, yeah, Pereira, Wilder... Um, and people say, Wilder, pound for pound, he's a heavyweight. Yeah, but he's knocking out blokes at £20, £30, everything sometimes. Um, in your way, of course, in terms of active uh, punches, you know, th- th- those you guys. John Dodson, obviously, still banging people out wherever he goes. But yeah, basically, Pereira is now, will right- rightfully be seen as one of those dangerous blokes in-, in all of combat sports, and that's what makes me happy. In terms of the fight itself, Still things that I've mentioned before that are worrying for Alex, which I'll get to. So that that, that do need to be taken into account. There can be no doubt about it, you know. But overall, the fact that he's able to pull out the win in the circumstances of this belt, it you know, it can only be a credit to him as an operator in terms of what it means to his overall career. The fact that he's now bounced back from that shocking, uh, and it was shocking, knockout to Israel Adesanya where it seemed like he was just you know he was just starting to pull away and you think oh man he's Pereira's going to sort of prove himself one of the 
the, the greatest middleweights of all time if he'd now turns away Adesanya and you think you know who would his next challenger have been fucking hell he would have matter of fact it's kind of weird because in a weird way that loss to Adesanya I'm sorry to go Sanja, but it's just such an interesting story isn't it the Alex Pereira story in MMA particularly now but almost losing to Adesanya in that fashion has done wonders for his legacy because what happened was a guy that he fucking destroyed inside of a round went on to put on a masterclass to win the middleweight title. It's kind of like, well, if Pereira could still make the weight comfortably, he'd be champ again. So, and we will talk about making the weight comfortably because my fucking God, this fella. So yeah, let's talk about him. They look about the same size. I think Joe Prohaska is about six, two and a half, six, three. Pereira is easy as, as tall as him. Um, and he looks absolutely fine at 205. I was a little bit worried because... Um, his, his, his punches didn't seem to have the same sort of weight when he moved up at kick, in kickboxing and didn't seem to have as much weight against um, Jan Blachowicz for, for much of the fight. But his leg kicks are clearly just absolutely devastating. So I, I do think he's got it. And it's kind of like a inbuilt bias because I'm so worried about Yuri Bahaska's chin. He's, he's got that big old beard, but I think I, I said on Discord last night when we were watching the fight with the lads, have you ever seen a picture of like you will believe that this guy tried to shoot his own head off, but he survived. And this is someone who's just walking around with no jaw anymore. It's kind of what Yuri Pahaska looks like when the fucking beard comes off. He's got this weird sort of um, no chin sort of thing going on. So it is sort of protecting him a bit. But, you know, he's really resilient and really tough. He, the bloke's fucking nails, but he does get banged about a lot. does get hurt in a lot of his fights. Has been stopped before, etc. So I did start to think, well, hold on a minute, if... if Prayer isn't really getting his respect. Am I right? Is my theory playing out here that Pereira doesn't hold the same dig when he's fighting blokes is the same size as him? And he probably doesn't, but he, he can still definitely dig. But, you know, size-wise, he looks great at the weight. And there's two big lumps that he's fought now. Two of the best in the division now, regardless of what he thought about the uh, first Jan Bohovic fight. Pereira seemed to finish somewhat strong. He does get a second wind in a lot of his fights. And as I say, when I talk about this one, we'll, we'll get to that as well. But Europa Haska really is one of the premier light heavyweights. That obviously does not mean as much as being, say, like a the 15th best lightweight. But still, still think it's a really impressive win. As I say, in terms of just being an absolute warmonger, Europa Haska is a great matchup for Pereira. And proved a really solid foil for him in this one. Because he's really awkward. He shifts stances. I love the whole um, over-exaggerated level change, reaching for the takedown, then whipping the fucking uppercut in or whipping shots behind it. I love that. Threw Alex Pereira off. Um, he's a good kicker. He also does weird shit like jumping switch push kicks and shit like that. Um, like the For any, any English listeners of a certain age, like the Paolo Di Canio. For anyone else, you go, what you want about? Well... Put it in YouTube, probably the first thing that comes up. Jury just gave him so many varied looks, just what he's good at. As well as hitting really hard and just being able to be in fucking barn burners and persevere to hope that he will get his bombs off. Whether it be punches, elbows, fucking knees, kicks a lot. Prohaska's a really good fighter and I thought Jury fought well. He did some things that really combated Pereira well. Um, I actually thought... He did have an argument to the first round. And the sad thing is you see some right fucking dullards. It's always the... Bear in mind, I haven't seen Dan Tom on there for a while. 
who was balanced, who completely shifted it in the other direction because he's like the fucking best analyst there is. But you always get the thickest fucking idiots pop up on the little ident in the in the corner, a little graphic in between rounds. But I did actually think that Jiri had a pretty good uh, case to win in round one. Obviously, they sort of had a bit of a battle of leg kicks early and Pereira clearly won that. It's like Jiri would switch stance and Pereira go bang. Low, no, a no-tail low kick, uh, especially with the back the back leg, with the right uh, right leg. It just fucking sweep them off balance. So, yeah, if you're going to uh, change stance, do it well out of range, mate. Cause as soon as you plant, it's going to whack you out. Um, and Pereira's leg kicks were so powerful, Jerry couldn't see him coming. But Jerry did land a couple of good uppercuts, one towards the end of the round, one towards the beginning. As I say, both uh, via the same means, via this exaggerated level change. Reaching down, then bop. Um, I think Pereira, we talk about from Jiri's point of view first, well, I think he could have won the first round. Yes, Pereira landed some really big, powerful leg kicks and some good jabs. Um, but, you know, Prasco landed a couple of leg kicks, but the big uppercuts, and then on the ground did land some decent elbows and some sort of cuffing punches. But for a long time of that, and I think people watch that go, he's not really doing much. He did stuff that scored. He did do some stuff scored. What Pereira did really well was tie him up, constantly fighting hands, and then constantly uh, using that high um, half guard to get his back, shuffle his way back to the cage, and eventually use that to hip out, get up, and then uh, wall walk it and get off and back to centre cage. And that's what I thought was really impressive. Pereira, as I said before, when he first joined the UFC, what really impressed me was that he knows how to survive in certain positions now. Not many, but some. And it's he's not going to be a whiz of his back. He's not going to be, you know, Jose Aldo in his way off the mat with his you know, quick uh, returns or anything. But he can survive in certain positions and that's enough to get him through certain fights. I think about um, if, say, to fight Jota Almeida or something... He'd probably get fucking dominated because this, this guy knows how to control. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if they were on the feet for too long, yeah, Pereira would bang him out. But, you know, generally in terms of you're going to get him down and control him and keep him moving and keep him thinking and tire him out, that's that's the way to do it. You know, if you, say, fight a heavyweight for like Curtis Blades or something, that's sort of bopping him, which is obviously a complete uh, possibility when it comes to Blades. He's, he's boppable. Um, you know, it goes without saying, he'd just get fucking annihilated and, 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 and ground out. You know, it's, you think of so many fighters that would have the chops to control him for a decent amount of time. I do wonder whether he's just really strong though, because he does seem, to, I mean, he's just really hurtful, like this little tappy elbows he does when he's when he's on the floor. Most people don't really hurt, but this bloke's just made of something different, and he? You know, he's just something special. So, yeah. No one's going to mix Jerry Prohaska up with an excellent grappler or anything. He just had the grappling advantage on Pereira, but it just didn't really play out. Pereira was able to tangle him up, keep fighting, keep moving, uh, just enough in order to sort of mitigate the damage that was being dished out to him. But I do think that there was a possibility that Jerry Prohaska could have won that first round. I don't think that's too wild to say. But at the same time, I think a lot of people like my friends will overcompensate. Oh, they never score leg kicks and maybe overcompensate for it. But obviously in this instance, they were massive fudding, cracking leg kicks and, and did knock Prohaska down or not, bundled him over a couple of times. So I think my point is, from a technical point of view, Pereira did uh, enough to show us that he can survive. 
but Prohaska did some weird and janky stuff that showed us how the second round was going to go, but mainly that, from a scoring perspective, it could have gone either way. Oh, and on the takedown, of course, what I really liked about Julio uh, Prohaska, we'll talk about stance switching now, Pereira is measure in that regard either with kicks or with or hitting him with the jab just you know if you're gonna if you're gonna try and do that i'm just gonna show you i can stick the jab in you from either position bang um i did love how jerry got his head on the outside stance switch past the uh past paris or stepped in the leg kick then went for the it's like the low kick and then hesitation two three great combo wipe you out of it praska sort of saw it coming got his head on the outside of the right hand come underneath the left hand and then, as he did it, switching to southpaw, got the single, run Pereira to the cage, got to the high crotch. Pereira then grabbed on with a guillotine, um, which I thought was pretty tight, but Prohaska used it to arch his back and get him to the mat. Now- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, nice work from Prohaska to use uh, sort of aggressive countering to get inside the punches, get inside the range and get deep on the leg. Really nice work. Um, but I actually think the most important part of that was the guillotine attempt because I thought going in that second round of Pereira looked slower, he looked tired and I thought Jerry Pahaska fought really, really well in round two. And that's what is interesting because Pereira, I think I've said this before, but for some reason, 
if you can get him biting on your lead hand, as an orthodox fighter, if you can get him biting on the lead hand, he'll go back in a straight line. And because of the way that he uses his sort of lower guard, especially the lead hand, the sort of hand fight, and uh, I think he really likes to sweep that left hook over your backhand or, you know... It will bat your hands away and bring the left hand over the top. This is way fights that that left hand. It's not low. It's not like a David Hay style. Uh, invite you on to um, and sort of mesmerise you with the constantly moving left hand. But it is kind of out. It's out. And for some reason, if you can get a lead uh, hand on him, if you can get a jab on him, if you can feint him out of position, if you can sort of level change as he retreats backwards, it just sort of goes sort of shoulder rolly and it's terrible. Right hand's up, left hand isn't, and he just goes back in a straight line, doesn't take his head off centre, and you could just run him into a right hand. It's just been the case since kickboxing. Definitely a problem in four-ounce gloves in MMA. Prohaska had sort of used over-exaggerated big looping shots, and then he had Pereira sort of hurt, had him looked ragged, and then uh, sort of jabbed or threw a feint with the straight left, and then whipped a right hand over the top, and Pereira looked for me like, oh, he's in serious trouble here. And Jerry was running him around the cage. And then, just like that, runs onto a counter. The I think any controversy about this fight would have been moot if the first right hand had landed clean. And as it was, it was just sort of cuffing, just to move Jerry's head over to his own right, and then twat him with a left hook. Now, I think if it was just a right-hand-left-hook combo, then he would have laid him out. As it stands, he flashed knocked down. Jury got up, tried to survive, getting on the legs. Hammer fist to the side of the head, then some down elbows. And he went out for a second. It's clear to see that he went out. And he went foul back. Foul with uh, Pereira mounting him. And then uh, Mark Goddard jumped in and stopped it. Now, I think an emphatic stoppage would have been better for the fight. I think that it would have looked great. You know, we've had essentially a shootout. First round's got a lot of drama. Um, big leg kicks, Prasca lands those big cartoony comical uppercuts that clearly got Pereira's attention. We have the dramatic uh, ground battle. We have the sort of exchanges late. And then the second round, we have Pereira looking tired, Pereira getting knocked around the cage. And then, you know, if Goddard had just allowed him to put the final nail in the coffin, we would have a really emphatic finish. It would have been a big come come back come from behind victory and we would have got that sort of emphatic finish we were expecting from these two that just devastated us we would have got that brutal knockout we all thought we were going to get now I do think we still got a decent finish um, and I'm always there on the side of caution of you know this almost builds anticipation for a rematch and Jerry Pahaska doesn't get his fucking brains punched out of the back of his head that's fine However, I can see why people might have thought it was early. Jerry Pahaska bounced back really, really quick. He was sort of looked... As Pereira got off him, he looked like he was scrambling, but I don't think he was in the moment. He definitely went out just before. We do have it, of course, where fighters go out and get back up. You know, I'm sure we'd love to see Pereira and uh, and Jerry go in a kind of Czech Congo, Pat Barry kind of shootout at that point of the fight after they both sort of shown each other their best techniques. Alex with his sort of sturdy... Uh, generalship uh, and and Jerry with his awkward uh, beastly style I think it would have been really good if they just had a moment where even if Pereira just gone bang and elbowed him into oblivion and that was it Goddard was in a good position to stop it he could have stopped it maybe after one or two two blows that's the thing about Goddard getting in there so quick he was in a great position could have given Jerry the benefit of the doubt I don't mind that he didn't um, but I think you know for the 
bookending the fight and giving us a really reasonably exciting and definitive finish for a fight that we were all hotly anticipating between two really dangerous guys, especially because Jerry Pahaska's a guy, even though he's been out for a while of injury, he's known as a guy who can come back in fights. He's known as a guy who takes his licks and comes back strong. He's known as a guy who can end the fight at any moment. I wonder whether that was not taken into account, but Alex Pereira's power was in case of, you know, you know if Paulie Malinagi stung a guy, the referee's going to give him ages to recover. And he really did sting anyone. But if Alex Pereira's in mount and he just hurt someone and elbowed him into oblivion, I can see why Mark Goddard might go, let's not let him punch him even one more time. And I get that, and that's absolutely fine. But what's most important is that after the fight, Jerry Pahaska said, I was out and the stoppage was fine. He knows more than any of us do. Um, and my sort of bloodlust of in this fight particular I wouldn't always say this but in this particular fight where you just you were anticipating this just mental finish because you know at some point someone's going to get chinned well someone did get chinned and the want for Jerry Pahaska to lose more brain cells because I know he can um, is not good enough and so I'm absolutely on board with Mark Goddard's, Goddard's decision but I do I do see why people thought it was premature and not helped by the fact that so many people cannot zone out from Joe Rogan's commentary uh, Rogan and DC both saying oh it's early straight and John Anik who is the voice of reason saying oh I think you're right now I'm not saying it wasn't a tad early myself I'm not saying it wasn't a tad early what I'm saying is it's better to be a tad early tad early than a tad late and that's a fact um, so Pereira on the back foot and that was the sort of narrative as I'm watching the fight unfold I think oh no I'm going to sound the podcast tomorrow which is as before uh, and even though he got taken out when he was on the front foot against Adesanya it was just a perfect knockout wasn't it perfect perfect shot um, you know the fact matter is if you can get Pereira backing up it's always been the case always been the case you know from Koshenko to this fight you know if you can get Pereira backing up he will unravel. He is less potent on the back foot. And then he pulls out uh, a counter combo like that. You know, bang, bang. Right, sort of, uh, sort of like, almost like a shovel work, sort of half uppercut, half hook upstairs, just to move Jerry. Then it's him with that uh, patented left hook and, and sags him. Loved his finishing instincts. Always been a good finisher, but his finishing instincts you know, here outside of a kickboxing uh, scenario, you know, with hammer fists uh, and not allowing Jiri to uh, get in too deep on his legs. I love the transition to the finishing sequence where Pereira very quickly uh, went into MMA mode. That shows it's seamless. That shows it's natural. That shows he is becoming more comfortable as a mixed martial artist. And it's weird to have this discussion, of course. He's a two-weight champion, not at both at the same time, but he's now won titles of two-weight classes. As I said earlier, that's obviously... Uh, more possible for a physical freak to do that at 185 and 205 but still nothing to be sniffed at you know you know at this point Alex Pereira he's got wins over Israel Adesanya Jiri Pahaska Sean Strickland who don't love the guy but still a future champion uh, Jan Blachowicz uh, former title holder um, you know he's if you were to do a top 100 I reckon you'd have him somewhere in a sort of 91 to 100 just because of you know, MMA's age and the fact the accomplishments are undeniable and there's a couple really good solid wins there one of which is really you know grown with age appreciated with age and uh, yeah but as I say if you're going to do a list of action fighters or knockout artists and Pereira's going to be right near the top especially the latter category um, light heavyweight title lineage then 
you know, I think we're actually on a decent run now, which is mental given the chaos of the past year. If you thought that John Jones had the lineage before, he's obviously never going back to 205. So the uh, Jan Blachowicz Dominic Reyes fight, and especially if you consider, if you're one of those people who says, right, abject robberies um, are in my mind enough to pass the lineage, not the championship, but the lineage onto the next person, then you'd still go John Jones, Reyes, title, uh, Jan Blachowicz. As it stands, it didn't happen. Uh, Reyes after the John Jones fight, which I've covered before on Right or Robbery, if you are a newer subscriber or if you're a longer a long time patron who hasn't ever listened to that episode uh, then you can watch along on UFC Fight Pass and listen to my commentary on this here patron feed where I talked about whether I think Reyes and Jones was a robbery and actually um, spoke more about what that actually meant for both fighters at the time that was what was more important to me in that one rather than the actual scoring but either way Reyes was a perfect candidate fight for the vacant title and as Jones is never going to return a lot everywhere now, then the vacant title very much stands as such uh, for UFC. You might say, oh, well, I'd rather see Pereira now fight Nemkov to really establish who the uh, the number one light heavyweight is. Or I'd really like Pereira to fight Jamal Hill to really establish who number one light heavyweight is. I don't know why that would be the case, though. But um, essentially, essentially the title is going to go... You know, Reyes, Blahovic winner, Blahovic, Blahovic then beats Alessandra, uh, not important to live in lineage, but then uh, Glover Texera dominates uh, Jan Blahovic, and then we have Glover Texera losing to Jiri Pahaska, then Jiri gets injured before making a defence, and we have this awful kind of uh, Blahovic, Ankalaev draw, Jamal Hill beating the shell of Glover Texera, and then Jamal Hill then getting injured, and then Jiri Pahaska coming back. So really, Jerry Bahaska just sort of had a long time out, if you think of it like that. I, I, I do like to think of it like that. I like to think that he just had time off, really, because he didn't really get an actual champion in the interim. I don't think Jamal... It don't think it's right that Jamal Hill, Glover Teixeira was a hastily arranged title fight after Dana got annoyed that uh, and Kalayev and, and, and Jan Blachowicz ended in a draw, which itself, I think, was somewhat hastily arranged to uh, make up the fact they didn't have a lot of heavyweight champion because Jerry got injured. Injured, in quote marks. I'm still not sure. Apparently, his shoulder came off the bone or some shit, but you never know, do you? Was it a phantom ban? I don't know. I'm not. That's not me accusing him, but you never know, do you? Nowadays, obviously. Um, for me, he looked perfectly fine physically in this fight. He looked himself so you could say that the lineage goes you know John Jones leaves the division you got Blahovic, Glover Jiri Alex Pereira or you could say it's it, there is no established lineage and Pereira would need to be yeah as I say UFC getting Nemkov which seems unlikely I think he's moved to heavyweight as well now the way I see it if you're not going to come back to the division you're not really in, in line for lineage but or Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill which seems to be the next fight Interesting one, that one. I never thought I'd say that. Seems quite interesting, that one. Um, but yeah, the fact is there's not too many fights for Alex Pereira now. His 205 is obviously somewhat barren. So it's not Lionheart Smith, that's for sure. Um, Ankalive, obviously, as, as I've said a million times before on here, and I think it was on heavy hands as well. Just don't trust him in terms of his IQ to do what he needs to do. But obviously, 
when I spoke earlier about someone who could control Pereira for a long time, tire him out, etc., Ankolaev would be the perfect fighter to do that in the current light heavyweight division. Don't trust him to do that at all. Um, Jamal Hill versus Pereira, I'd be fine with that. Um, Pereira fighting Adesanya again in MMA, you know, rubber match in MMA, I'd be absolutely fine with that as well. So there's a couple of options for him. You could also, and I wonder, I do wonder this. I do wonder. John Jones going to be out for a while. He's had two titles now, Pereira. The big lump. I think you'd all be lying if you... And I actually think in terms of his name stature now, he's probably the only guy who could lure either of these guys for a fight that isn't with each other. But I think you'd be lying if you said you wouldn't be interested in see like Pereira versus Stipe with the winner fighting John Jones. Now, we know that John Jones would just fucking... So you talk about bad matchups for him. That's you know the worst for Pereira. But let's go for history. Let's sell Pereira based on his humongous name now, and he is well known, and he is known as a bit of a boogeyman. He's won titles at middleweight and light heavyweight. He still looks massive. Let's Jones is going to be out. That might be one of the few guys that can lure Steve out. Steve Hay might think, well, he's a big name and he's smaller than me naturally. Well, is he though? Is he actually smaller than him? Not is he Adesanya. Is he actually smaller than Miocic? And I'd love to see him next to each other. So he plays, what, like 230, 235? Towards he 6'4", 6'5", 6'4", maybe. Yeah. I don't know if he would be, especially at this age. Like, he looked noticeably like sort of slimmer against Francis in the rematch. At least that's what I thought. It might have been because Francis is Tonk, but he looked a bit slimmer to me, Miocic, as he neared his late 30s and now he's what 40, 41 so could that happen I mean fuck 205 is not very interesting could they just go Pereira versus Stipe or could they say Stipe is going to retire and John Jones I think John Jones would gladly fight Alex Pereira I don't think he's going to want to fight Tom Aspinall we'll talk about that in a minute it's nothing to do with just what Aspinall brings to the table it's more about where John Jones is in his career he just wants marquee names really I think so I get that Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute but yeah, if Pereira isn't going to fight Jamal Hill next, which apparently is the idea, but he's also injured now for a while, I think. Is, is Pereira really the kind of guy that's going to sit out until next July? I don't think so. Um, then, yeah, maybe they just throw him into some weird and wonderful fights of heavyweight, and why fucking not? But again, not against the likes of Tom Aspinall or Ser- Sergei Pavlovich, which we'll talk about in a second, but you know, Pereira's 37 himself, so he's he's 37. He's He's a, you know multi-sport athlete who's won titles in two weight classes he is in that sort of marquee division now he is a huge name and he's done it all in what 10 MMA bouts what was he 9 and 2 no no that's not right 8 and 2 what is he what is he in MMA oh he's uh, he's 11 and 2 okay but he's done that in X amount of UFC bouts which I should know really what seven and one in the UFC and he's won two titles fair fucking play to him so yeah it's enough about that one fight but there's so much to talk about because it's such a fun one isn't it it's it was everything we wanted as I say it's a little bit of a shame that people have had a reason to take umbrage with the finish because it would have been nice for everyone just to go out going that's exactly what we thought we were going to get and if we hadn't had that I think it was basically all we thought we were going to get it was a shootout essentially um, just these guys were both went about it in quite a smart way uh, and in the second round 
Jerry Pahaska looked really fucking good and Alex Pereira still took him out and you know what I thought that they both fought really well and one last thing technical detail on over that second round what I really liked about Jerry Pahaska is when he did get Pereira up against the cage didn't blow his load trying to take him down or wing big punches or anything wrist control fought grips um, didn't allow Pereira to get off the cage used it to frame off and, and bring elbows over the top and punches just really smart work. Jerry Pahaska's still got a lot left. And uh, yeah, I'd gladly see him batter anyone in the uh, lightweight division. And I'd gladly see, talk about all the options, gladly see a rematch between these two. I'm back. What do you think of the fight? What do you think of Alex Pereira going forward? Want to see him stay at 205 and just you know fight the guys that are left? There's a couple of interesting fights there, I'm sure. Or would you, like me, like to see him in some weird freak show fights up a heavyweight or against, I don't know, against a, another rematch against Adesanya at 205 this time? I don't think Pereira will make 185 without chopping off a limb. I don't know how he ever made it as it is. But hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR with your thoughts or on Blue Sky at Combat Chronicles Pod or at Combat Chronicles Pod also on Fred's and... Instagram, but don't hit me up on Freds because no one uses Freds. Freds is, is terrible. But if you want to hear my thoughts on Tom Aspinall, which I obviously alluded to in that section and uh, prior to that insert from the uh, greater uh, Patreon podcast, do head over to Patreon again at that link. It's www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. Your support is much appreciated. If you don't want to sign up uh, and, and, and give a, essentially a monetary donation to the continuation of the podcast that's absolutely fine a five star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform is very much appreciated and helps make the podcast more visible to others so until next time and there will be a next time I will be back somewhat soon I'm sure definitely uh, in the month of November thanks for listening really appreciate it thanks for your patience and peace out It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.